Hello, welcome to tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. As always, I am your host, Paul, and tonight we have a special guest and somebody that I did not think we would ever be able to get, um, just strictly by accident, I guess, um, from Manos Hands of Fate, Jackie Naiman. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, please introduce yourself and, <laughs> and I got like a billion questions. <laughs> well, good, okay. Yeah, I'm Jackie Naiman Jones and I played the role of uh, Debbie, the little girl in Mono's Hands of Fate. And my dad was the master and uh, my mom made the costume. She made the master's robe and the wives' dresses and my little Debbie dress. And um, our dog, the Doberman in the film was our family dog. And um, yeah, I, I, my dad did all the artwork. He painted the master and dog painting and uh, the hand sculptures. In fact, that's why it was named Manos, the Hands of Fate was, uh, he already had all this sculpture. So he went back to the film. But yeah, so basically to me, it was uh, kind of like a, a family movie. There was a lot of our things from our home and um, hold on. Wow, I gotta stop forgetting I have this. I was on a podcast just like, couple weeks ago and I happened to look over and go wait a minute this was a piece of luggage that Torgo carried <laughs> in the original film and I've been carrying it around do you, do you guys still have the original uh, Master and Doberman painting no uh Hal Warren who created the film and played the role of my father Mike uh, he kept the painting and he kept the robe after filming, but I've recreated both and I have them on my uh, Etsy shop. And um, yeah, I've done a couple of versions of the master and dog painting. I, I did one uh, because I'm a professional artist. I've made my living as an artist all my life. And uh, I did a custom painting for a guy a few years ago. Uh, um, the master was Frank Zappa. And so it was Frank Zappa and his poodle. And I have that on my Etsy shop yeah, I, also. I, I sell print. Yeah, I seen that, that you, uh, you sent me the link. Um, oh, yeah. Once, uh, once the holidays are over, the, the next couple of days are over, I, I think I need to get me the, the master and the Doberman painting so I can put it above <laughs> where, right here. Because uh, it is legitimately one of them ones where I, I did not discover it. I think I discovered it like most people my age. I discovered it because of, of Mystery Science Theater. Yes. Um, and then Riff Tracks and Riff Track Live. And I bought, I got it somewhere. I don't know if it's right behind me or not. Um, <laughs> the um, the collection that 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 uh, was, I think, Rhino put out, and it's the um, Manos with the MST three K, and then it's just the Manos. Um, oh yeah. DVD, <laughs> and it's funny because I was like, all right, well, I don't know if I've ever just watched this without any commentary. 
And um, then I started looking into the history of it and the finding out that it was literally like a, a hand wind camera. There was mm-hmm. no dialogue. The dialogue was all dubbed in later. Yeah, and, it was silent. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Filmo 70, I think from the uh, Vietnam or Korean War era. It was, it was a tough camera. It was wind up. And, but it only shot like 32 seconds before you have to rewind it. So no sound and wind up. So yeah, they, there was a few limitations to the filming. <laughs> And uh, is it true that the only two people that profited from the movie was you got a bicycle and the dog got a bag of food? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dog Shanka got a 50 pound bag of dog food and I got my first, it was my first bike. It was red and it had training wheels. <laughs> it, like I said, this is, this is one of the ones that, that has, we, I was going to go to the master one year for Halloween, but it was literally uh-huh. like, I, I did not have the time to make the robe. And I was like, this, this has got to be great because no one would get it, but then the people who would get it would love it. So Yeah, <laughs> the people that get it really get it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I make is I make custom master's robes. Because my mom made the original and she taught me how to sew. So I, um, they're really, they're really nice. And uh, I made one once for a guy that was six foot eight, and I made one for a woman who was four foot 11. And now I'm making dog coats, but I could make it for your kitty too. I just got another order. I just sent, uh, let's see, I think she lives in Wisconsin. It was a yellow lab that got the last coat. And then uh, this next dog uh, looks like, um, I don't know, maybe a, a pit bull lab mix. Cool. But I say, you know, get a coat for your little master, because you know. <laughs> my my little masters, the the cats run around here somewhere. The, the, <laughs> the dog's outside right now. She's well. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make one for my kitty, but she's still she's only like seven and a half months, so I gotta wait for her to grow a little more. Mm. But um, yeah, she she was named by with the Mystery Science Theater fan base help. Her name is Misty. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> now, how how do you feel about the, the do you, do you really like the the popularity that it got from Mystery Science Theater, or do you you know like is it one of the ones where it's like uh, you know I like it, but it's make a fun of something I did when I was a kid or yeah. you just enjoy it and have fun with it. Well, you know, I was, I was almost seven years old that summer. And to me, it was the best summer of my life, hanging out with my dad and getting to stay up late and uh, going with him out, being the only kid on the set, you know, all those young women kind of treating me like a little doll and, you know, it was fun. I had a great time. And uh, anyway, I just say I, I was just a kid. I wasn't responsible. <laughs> I just did what I was told, you know. So no, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, because after it showed at the premiere for the first time, the theater canceled the rest of the two week run. 
So, and nobody really talked about it after that because these were all local uh, community theater people. It was a pretty tight knit group of people and uh, the entertainment writers of the time were very kind and really didn't say much about it. Everybody just kind of let it disappear. But for me, I I looked for it when I got a little older. I kept I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. And uh, God, university libraries, you know, anywhere I could think of, and I just couldn't find it. And then 27 years went by, and my dad called me one Sunday and said, "You'll never believe what I just saw on television." <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just was crazy. If I, I was just so happy to to find it. I was I would have been I was completely satisfied, and that's how it's been this whole trip. It's given me so many wonderful opportunities. I've met the greatest people. I've seen amazing uh, talent. That is uh, people like Rachel Jackson with uh, Manos the Hands of Felt, her puppet theater up in Seattle. And um, there's been two stage productions. There's comic books, trading cards, just the the inspiration and talent that has come from it is pretty remarkable to me. And I I love every bit of it. And my dad did too. He really enjoyed it. The, the fact that there's a puppet version, Mano's Hands of Felt, <laughs> that is brilliant. That, that Isn't is, it? Yes. I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen a couple clips of it, but that's, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that is, uh, it's really that, funny. Oh, man. Um, did, your, your, did your dad make Torgo's staff, the hand staff? Yeah, he did. And I made ours for uh, Mano's Returns. I did everything that that my family did <laughs> for the original. I did for Manos Returns and uh, creating the painting and the robe and the wives' dresses and the Torgo staff. Those were all things that I did. Uh, and I made it just the way my dad made the original because he was quite the artist. He worked in a lot of different mediums, uh, oil paint and acrylics and, uh, and plaster finishes. He did clay and sculpture, metal. Uh, he had a welding setup in his studio. So, and I was just such an observant kid. I, I watched everything and I'm an artist myself, as I said. And so any anything that is a possible challenge I'm up for and uh, I'm very proud I of my Torgo staff I made it just the way my dad did I had a friend who had a whole welding set up and and uh, we got some cold rolled steel and I cut them out of you know out of the steel with the torch just like my dad <laughs> Now, I, uh, I've seen some of your paintings, really good. Um, he you. says you're, you're, a, you're a, now an art teacher on top of being an artist. Yeah, you- I do. Uh, I, I've been doing, you know, the 
paint and sip kind of parties at mm -hmm. bars and restaurants and places. Been doing that for five or six years. But then COVID hit and uh, and anyway, now I'm looking at doing more of them online. I've done some private party ones online, but but I'd like to expand it more. And it's just a matter of organization for me at this point. But I put it out there to the Mystery Science Theater community about doing some MST related <laughs> paintings and uh, online. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, it, it, the, like I said, I, I grew up and I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. Still do, still watch it to this day. Um, when I found out that I was going to be able to interview you, I legitimately dug through my DVDs, found my DVD, rewatched it, and um, then I rewatched the um, Rift Tracks version mm -hmm. on on TV. Um, I was lucky enough; I did get to go see one of the Rift Track live versions. Oh, and cool. I, w I wasn't in the, in the audience, but I, I it was at the theater. Our theater actually was showing it, so I was able to get in there to see it. Um, and it, it's, 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 it's funny. Um, a lot of these movies that, um, mystery science theater has pulled out has become, you know, they gave them new life. And yeah. I think it's great that this one, that, that was essentially was relatively lost from what I understand. Like you said, it 27 was, years. That, I think it, you know, I under, the way I understood it since then is that it showed it you know, a few West Texas type drive-ins. It was, you know, maybe the last film of the night, the one to get people to leave <laughs> on a horror night, you know, of a couple films at the drive-in theater. But, uh, you know, by then people were either asleep or making out or gone, you know. It's the whole bartender thing. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Here's the, right. here's the <laughs> And, and and what's great is is that my kids um my two my two boys are now 24 and 22 uh -huh. and they love man of hands of fate because uh -huh. they've watched it since they were little and <laughs> they've gone with me to the you know seen it there we we've watched it at the home um i my son joe has rewatched it relatively recently online and it's one of the ones that, that it, it's great because like I said, I watched it when I was probably, I don't know, like 17 or 18, the first time I saw it when it was on. And mm -hmm. then now I get to watch it again. And then I get to watch it with my kids. And mm -hmm. now, now my sons, when I told them who I was getting ready to interview, they're like, that's so cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, remember the little girl from, from, uh, from Manos? And they're like, yeah, I get to interview her. And they're like, she's an adult now. And I'm like, yeah, I know she's an adult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was at a convention, uh, Crypticon Seattle, I was a guest a few years ago. And, and you know, they have, uh, a banner over the guest head with the name and everything. And, and mine has a picture of me as the mini bride, you know, at six years old, and uh, my name. And this young woman came up, 
probably, you know, in her mid twenties and she was, she's standing back for a while, but she's looking up there and then she's looking at me and then she looks up there. She, she did that several times and finally I caught her eye I go, I go, yep, that's me. <laughs> you know, like 50 something years later. I, I think this year is the 55th anniversary. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good run. I mean, that it was able to come back after that long a time and keep going. Yeah. In fact, uh, have you seen the restoration? That I have not seen yet. Yeah. I mean, that raised, gosh, what, at least like $47,000 on Kickstarter. And uh, Ben Salovey had found it like just by accident. He happened to know what he had in his hand, but it, he found the original work print that went through the camera in 1960, 66, 60, God, see, it's getting so, uh, so long ago. I don't even want to remember how long ago it was, but uh, <laughs> 1966. Um, but he, so he raised some money and he restored it frame by frame. So now you can watch it without it being ripped, but it's so clean and it's, it's a, it's a mind trip. It's like another experience because it's a beautiful print of a really inept film. And um, anyway, uh, the Mads, you know, Frank and Trace mm -hmm. and Frank's the one who originally found it in the first place and brought it to Mystery Science Theater and said, you know, this, I think we should riff this movie. And um, so Frank, yeah, Frank was just, uh, oh, so the Mads are back. They have an online show now. Mm -hmm. And on December 14th, they're riffing Mono's Hands of Fate, and I'm the special guest, and they're riffing the restoration. So it's going to be very interesting. That is definitely something I'm going to have to find and watch. That's yeah. Oh, it's it's plastered everywhere. I'm I've heard recently through the people that are promoting it that uh, everybody seems to think this is going to be the best attended show of the whole year i can definitely see that that's with with those guys coming back with the mads now doing their own thing that's that's fun um and doing monos oh yeah oh, i yeah. think it was trace who said he'd never rip that one again well now we got um now you got your sequel you got manos returns that you yeah. did with uh, Tanya. Yeah. Um, how did you, did you just decide one day that you wanted to bring Mano, Manos back and, and go from there? You know, I don't, I don't really remember exact. It was just kind of came together. It just kind of came together. I knew Joe Sherlock. He's a local, uh, he, makes films mm -hmm. and i'd been in some of his films and i knew him through other people locally and he's just a really fun guy and i i like what he does and he's he gets the job done and then rachel i had heard of uh rachel jackson i had heard of 
Mano Sahanza felt. And I mm-hmm. went up to Seattle to see her show. And that's how we got to, to know each other. And I met Tanya, I think through Joe. And I, I don't know, it just kind of came up. We we all thought about the idea and um, my dad was still living and and we thought, well, if we're gonna do anything and include him, then we better do it soon. And then also by chance about the same time, I found Diane Marie who had played my mother in the original who played Maggie. And what's funny too, is that in reality, she's only like 12 years older than me. So it's kind of creepy. <laughs> that happens a lot in movies. They, they, the, 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 the movie parent is only like 10 or 11, 12 years older than, than uh, <laughs> I, I think I just watched the movie the other day and the, the mom was legitimately only like five years older than the girl that was supposed to be playing her daughter. <laughs> Yeah, what what's that movie with uh, Sally Fields and Tom Hanks? Uh, Forrest Gump. Um, yeah, Forrest Gump. Sally Fields plays his mother, but they were the movie they were previously in. They were lovers, and I can't remember what movie that was. But I mean, they age her a lot and all. Yeah. But, you know that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. happens. The magic of movie making. That's what Hal Warren thought he was doing. He thought, oh, how hard can it be to make a movie? Was it was it legitimately a bet? Do you know that it was that's what I understand. I've I've never found that uh yeah, to not be true. I think I actually heard that from Bernie Rosenblum, or he confirmed it and he was one of the crew guys. So when I wrote my book and I did more research, I was able to find a couple other people to interview for the book. I talked to some of Hal's family and I found Bernie Rosenblum, he was still living. And uh, he and Bob Goodry, Bob Goodry was the cameraman and they were best friends. So they pulled a lot of pranks on set because that's just the kind of guys they were. but yeah bernie confirmed that it was a bet with supposedly with sterling siliphant who wrote in the heat of the night Mm -hmm. and uh how had lunch with him because he was a bit actor and he was looking for opportunities and uh and uh he just said to sterling siliphant you know something like anybody can make a movie I could make a movie and uh he'd already apparently had some ideas. Now how did your dad get into the movie? Did he just try out or was it like he knew him or just Yeah, they knew each other. Uh in fact, I just found the article uh reread it yesterday, but my dad was in and Hal Warren and uh, John Reynolds, who played Torgo, pretty much all the men were part, they were all part of the local community theater. And my dad uh, had been in the theater for several years by then, and he always got the lead roles. So in May of 1966, 
because it was filmed just it was filmed just a couple months later like in july mm -hmm. of 66 and uh <clears throat> so the play henry the fourth was at the theater and pretty much all of them were in that play Excuse me, my dad was playing the role of the king and Hal Warren was in the play and John Reynolds and so Hal kind of looked around and he saw everything he needed for his movie. Oh. Um, <clears throat> sorry, and I got to do the same thing. Hmm. Now, you know, when you look back at, at, at the movie and, you know, you look back at it fondly, do you look at the people, you know, come up to you and are like, have to be like, yes, I, I, I love this. This is, you know, like, like the, 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 the fans that like really got to love this, that are just really passionate about it. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the fans that are into Monos, they really do. They really love it. You know, um, one of my favorite stories is when I got to meet Cassandra Peterson, who was, who is, is Elvira. Yeah. And she did Monos on her show. And uh, we were both guests at the same convention. And uh, she was, her, table was across the room so I really wanted to meet her and I waited till there was a break and I went over there and she had this huge line of people waiting to get her autograph I mean she's very popular and uh so I just kind of scoped it out and and I ditched around the end of the table where she was and and I just started talking to her real fast telling her who I was and that my dad was the master and and um, she just she stopped and she looked at me and and she just kind of went and then she got this look of recognition it was so funny because then she goes stop the line <laughs> so she made the autograph seekers wait and uh, we got some nice pictures together and she had some good questions too. I mean, she knew the film. Definitely, she knew the film. The, another question I've always wanted to ask is um, the rumor that I was that Torga was supposed to be a satyr. Do, do you know if that was true? Well, it's questionable. I mean, I think that would have been Hal's ultimate dream, but, you know, special effects weren't in the budget. And, um, you know, nobody got paid for anything. My dad and my mother were responsible for most all of the, the costumes, you know, except for people that were wearing their own clothes. And uh, yeah, so John Reynolds was basically wearing my dad's uh, welding coveralls and his desk scavenging hat and since my dad was 6'2 and John Reynolds was like 5'7 or 5'8 then uh, 
there's a lot of room in there. So the idea was probably to make him like a satyr, but you know. I, I remember like she, the, the girl plays your mom looks down kind of like, <gasps> and then they don't do anything with that after that. He just has the big knees. And that was like, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's funny because I, I look at that movie and you can tell somebody really wanted to like do something big and then <laughs> yeah, realize, yeah, they had huge dreams. And then midway through, they realized, I can't do this. <laughs> With, yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know how much he realized what he couldn't do. Uh, I mean, I how knew it wasn't going to be a good film, but he hoped he could pull something off that would bring attention to the Southwest. I think he mostly wanted to be the catalyst, the guy who brought the film industry to the Southwest. He had much bigger dreams than just making this film. Yeah. I mean, at the premiere, he had so many connections. Uh, he sold insurance and he sold fertilizer like to ranchers and yeah. such and uh he had big dreams so he knew the local car dealer and he got the guy to loan him the the, the lights you know that scan the skies and he found a red carpet somewhere at, so he had the red carpet at the theater and he had these lights scanning the skies and my mom and i it felt like we spent the whole day in the beauty parlor getting our hair professionally done. My mother made these beautiful dresses and the wives were wearing like opera gloves and um, Hal rented one limousine and he had all the actors and crew park around the block and wait in the alley behind the theater. And then the limo would come around and pick up a few people and deposit us in front of the theater with the lights and the red carpet. Oh, and then he hired, I don't know what he paid him, probably not much, but we were right on the border of uh, Juarez, Mexico, you know, mm -hmm. like literally right on the border. Downtown El Paso, you just can walk over the bridge. And uh, so we hired the little street kids that spoke no English at all. And he gave them little pads of paper with a pencil, you know, and uh, they were the autograph seekers. They were instructed. So I have pictures. I have a couple pictures of these, these little kids, you know, in their shorts. They were the kids that shine shoes on the street, you know, little entrepreneurs. Yeah. That, that's funny because you you answered a question before I even got to ask it because I, I had heard the rumor about the the limos and that they had parked them outside and then he'd come pick up a few people made it look like there was a constant train of limos dropping all of you guys off it's just one one limo it was just one <laughs> yeah I mean I was I mean I had I was seven by then I turned seven and uh even I knew it was ridiculous. I remember, I remember us all waiting in this dark alley, all dressed up, and and I and I remember getting out of the car and thinking, doesn't anybody but me notice it's the same car and driver? I mean, <laughs> it, 
how how was school when you went back to school in the fall after being in a movie in the summer? Um, I, I was such a shy kid, and and uh, yeah, that that year, my mother was a teacher, so in first and second grade, I went to school uh, on the military base, Fort Bliss, because my mom was a teacher there. But uh, nobody knew. I mean, it wasn't something, it was such a different part of my life and our lives. And then the neighborhood we lived in, we were the only white family. So we were odd, you know, to most people. My dad being, uh, I don't know, my family was just odd. It was the 60s. So people were exploring new things and and my parents were pretty liberal. Um, my mother was very independent, liberal woman, and my dad was an artist and actor. And so, yeah, I don't know. I spent most of my childhood trying not to be noticed. <laughs> uh, now, Okay, before I forget, um, how did you feel about the uh, uh, Hotel Torgo movie that came out a couple years ago? Oh, that's the documentary. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. you know. There, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's something that, that <laughs> I, I Manos is, like I said, it's so much fun um i i can't help but laugh at it every time i watch it um to this day to this day i will still there's certain scenes that i get to and i've seen the movie i don't know 20 times if at least <laughs> and there's still moments where you're just like <laughs> the uh the the fact that that they had your dad just laying out there for the longest time just laying on the stone and you know it's like he's just preserved in the desert he <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh well, well there was there was a times when uh bernie and bob would get frustrated i mean you know they uh the crew they kind of mess with hal a little bit and a couple of those things well one of them for sure i heard because bernie told me himself but there's uh when the master is inside the living room and he's got his arms out if you look at the below him uh to his left you'll see a beer bottle and uh so they left a beer bottle there just to test Hal's powers of observation but then in another scene outside where he's holding up torgo's hand as torgo runs off into the desert. At the base of one of the columns, you'll see the um, can of lighter fluid they use to light that hand on fire. Now, is it true that they only had like what, I think this one woman doing all the voices and two men doing the voices of the men? On the um, I, I think, I'm not sure exactly who went to Dallas to the, um, to the studio to do the dubbing but it was only the men it was my dad and it was Hal and I don't I can't recall if uh, John Reynolds 
had gone along on that trip, but uh, it was two or three, but probably three men and uh, and one woman. Yeah, it yeah. was Hal's sister-in-law and she already lived there. So, Is, so nobody told the little kid they were dubbing her voice. Yeah. That was pretty traumatizing yeah i heard it that the first time you heard it it if it, like i said I'm, I'm reading and and from the the documentaries and stuff like that you you did not like the voice you it was not good at all for you yeah it was shocking i i had no idea i mean nobody told me i mean why would they they didn't tell me it was going to be dubbed in the first place much less like that you know, during the filming, I remember I was a shy kid and I remember kind of saying real quiet, was that okay? Should they do it again? Or, you know, something like that. I, I mean, I felt like I could have done better, but they're just, let's move on. We'll fix it in the lab. <laughs> it, it didn't seem like there was a lot of takes. <laughs> One, two no. takes maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, and and like you said, Ben Solovey found the work print, so everything was on that work print. You know, the the tape where things were cut and spliced together. together, and and uh, and some of the outtakes, but uh, and on the restoration that he put together, he interviewed my dad and me and. And then uh, he's put some of the outtakes on there. So there's some, it's fun. Now, it, it, this seems like, like a bunch of people, one guy was probably really taking it seriously and everybody else was just having fun. Well, I don't think it was so much fun after a while. <laughs> I, I mean, it didn't take that long to film it, but I think people, once they caught on you know to what they got involved in they uh, yeah you just kind of hope for the best yeah after good. that and anybody who's done film or theater knows you don't want to be the one to say i i can't do this i'm not gonna do this you get <laughs> It, that's probably why everybody stayed even though they weren't getting paid is like the, they no one wanted to be the first guy that goes no i'm out i'm done exactly yeah, yeah. It, right yeah i like i said it, this is it's it's so much it's it's reading the stories about everything that happened uh how it just even came to be like i said finding out that it was essentially just a bet that that uh, you know uh uh an insurance salesman decided that he wanted to make a movie and prove that he could make a movie and prove that he couldn't make a movie <laughs> by making the movie. Uh, yeah. And, 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 but hearing the stories of the people who worked with like you, that, you know, like, you know, it was, it, they thought it was like a one-off it was, you know, whatever, but then he wanted to make it so much bigger and, tried to make it bigger to make you guys you know and then it seemed like you guys end up having fun later and like just knowing full well that it wasn't 
going to be this big movie like you said even as a, as a kid you were like yeah this, well this isn't any what <laughs> yeah but nobody talked about it. but the whole monos thing you know it gave my dad and i opportunities to to do things together and and he loved hearing about it he he, he enjoyed it a lot and uh and like i said earlier just the talent that i've seen that is, has been uh, inspired by this crazy film, the opportunities I've had and the people I've met. And uh, it's pretty great. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's amazing. It, the fact that, that I can bond with it with my kids and you know i'm hoping that that down the road maybe you know i i've i show it every once in a while i'll just turn it on because i have a comic book shop and i will turn oh. it on the tvs and i have friends that will sit there and they come in to just visit or buy stuff and next thing you know they're 20 30 minutes in of just sitting there watching <laughs> on, <laughs> and we're just sitting there laughing at it and having a good time and it, it's 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 great because like I said, we bond over it. It's a, mm. a a bonding experience because you you you've you've made it through Mount Monos. <laughs> and uh it, it's funny because I always joke around, I'm like, we're gonna watch hands, hands of fate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or the 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 beginning and with that long driving shot. I always Yeah. Do <laughs> I, I mean I understand that was where the you know the opening credits were supposed to go and but you know it was just edited so quickly and think uh yeah how had big plans and uh i'm just sorry he didn't make it to see this happen the way it did i i think he would have had a good time i mean how warren uh for a time he was a stand-up comedian he thought of himself as a comedian, and uh, I've got photographs of him in uh, costumes from different plays where he played those types of parts. So I think he would have uh, really enjoyed this. What's great is I always thought that your dad, because he played, he played it straight. He played the master, you know, not trying to poke fun at it or nothing. I always thought he would have made a great like villain in another movie because he was, you know, like you said, he was tall. He was like commanding and stuff like that. Yeah. I I wished that he could have been kind of, I, I know it's bad, but if he had removed from Manos and done something, I could have definitely seen him in a, as the villain role in like a, uh, um, um, the Corman style, um, uh, like the Edgar Allan Poe stuff that Corman did, uh -huh. I could definitely seen him as as the 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 bad guy and something like that. And you said that he had a theatrical background and worked in theater. I was like, well, that explains that. Is you know, the, yeah, that that training, that uh, particular style of uh, theatrical training of the times too, the sixties. And, uh, but yeah, he always played the commanding parts. He played King Arthur in Camelot and 
He played R.P. McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, you know, he always played the, the bigger parts, those commanding roles, I'd say. Yeah, because, you know, he's one of them guys that, that, that with Manos, he he's the one that made that took lemons and made lemonade out of it in that movie <laughs> and, and it's it's like i said it's it's with you could he just commanded when he was on for me i i thought he was great in the role i mean it was one of the ones where everybody else kind of i don't want to i'm not poking fun at anybody else on the set or nothing like that that you know when everybody else could just kind of hamming it up a little bit and he just steps up and's like you know i am you know and yeah <laughs> and awesome. oh, so I, I i do love it um and i'm glad that, that you're that you did the 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 sequel um it's and the fact that that your dad was able to be the master in the sequel is just amazing to me and it's it's so much fun i i i kind of i know it's bad I'm, I'm i'm fanning out a little bit because i had questions and i kind of blew that whole thing out the oh uh, <laughs> it, it's like i said it's 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 something that me and my kids have bonded over and we both love uh, we all love and you bring in more and you're out there you know you talk about the restoration that that's working on um you, you you did a book it's amazing that this little movie that really was like i said as a, as a bet whatever and then it was lost and now it's come back and become this you know cult item that now everybody loves is amazing um yeah it's 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 like i said it's it's something really cool um it's real fun and uh i like i said i can't wait i'm gonna have to order my uh master and dog poster for my wall down here <laughs> in, in my in my office area here and you know it's i i i i love monos and i'm not one of them people i i, I don't do it as uh I'm I'm no shame for it. I will tell people I like I love that movie. Watch it. I I've I've watched <laughs> I watched Titanic once. I've watched Manos 20 times. So <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's a movie I probably I I probably I hate to say this, I think I watch it like twice a year now. Just hmm. because Tradition. when I yeah when when I wanna have um just something lighthearted that, that especially you know with the, the mystery science version of it or the riff track um it's one of the ones if i'm having a bad day boom i throw that in and i'm happy when it's over <laughs> and i've it, heard it, that i've heard that <laughs> yeah, it cheers me up so um what else do, are you working on are you working on anything else are you outside of the uh art the you did the sequel, you do the paintings, you seem to be doing a lot. You do you have time yeah. for anything else? <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, I know. I get a lot of acknowledgement for that because I get frustrated with myself. I um but the world has uh 
decided that I need to learn some lessons right now. So, I mean, I was in a car accident like on October 4th Oof. and um, I'm okay, but I totaled my beautiful car and, and I broke some bones and, and uh, I'm healing from that. I'm getting a lot better, but laying around, being forced to lay around and just go inward for a while is probably something that I really needed to do. Uh, I have this beautiful new studio space. So it's, it's been really frustrating because I have this beautiful space and uh, I started doing, creating all this art and then this happened. And, uh, but on the other hand, with my Etsy shop, I've been watching it grow and I've been thinking for a long time about another book. And uh, I actually now have two books in mind to write. And it's just funny how the universe conspires <laughs> to help you when you're doing, when you're on your path, I guess. Yeah. But uh, my daughter-in-law reminded me that I had thought of a book several years ago and I, I'm calling it For the Love of Manos. And it's um, stories from people about their love story with Manos. And I've heard a lot of stories. I know people have stories like you're just talking about your kids. Yeah. You know, watching it, your kids. And there's just all kinds of stories and things that people have said. It'd be fun to put something like that together and then and then ironically like two days after she said that somebody posted there's a an article called the best and worst mst3k movies to f2 <laughs> and monos of course is on the list you know i'm like wow that's a trip so so there's that book and then uh another book just to kind of expand on things and this and and all these projects all these things the stage production of monos well two stage productions and then the puppets and there's just so many things uh that have happened since then and uh you know, I make the, the master's robes and I just sent off number 28. When I first started making them, I made this crazy commitment. I said, well, they need to be signed and numbered. I want them to be something limited, a limited edition, but I don't want to limit it so much that, you know, I'm having a fun time and now, what I can't make them anymore <laughs> so I said I'd make a hundred of them and uh I got to like number five I go oh you're crazy this is insane they are a lot of work but uh I get so much joy from people sending me the pictures of them in their master's robe and and uh one of the ones I just sold the guy's wearing it for his college graduation in the spring. You know, that's like his big thing, you know. People just, it's 
trippy. That, that'd what? be funny. I, I, I would, um, I have a, fr- I have a couple friends that are professional wrestlers. And if I got one, oh. made, I would definitely have one of them wear it to the ring so they could do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's been part of a burlesque show. Portland burlesque. Yeah. There was a, she was a master and she revealed, you know, it, if they really did it right, they could have done the master and had all the brides. They could have had a big burlesque show of all. Of it can still be done. I mean, you just put it out there in the universe. Who knows? I'm happy. I'm happy to see all these projects. It, and and I get to be part of a lot of them. You know, like the Mad Show in December, I get to be a special guest. And uh that's really exciting. And uh, the stage production of Manos a few years ago, they found out I lived close by and uh, it, it was a comedy production. I mean, the, the Debbie was a doll and uh, the Doberman was cardboard and felt on little wheels that was rolled across the stage and it was hilarious it was really good uh but when they had planned to have somebody dub a a woman dub debbie's voice the voice of the puppet that they had on stage Mm -hmm. the doll and then they found out that i lived close by so they had me come and i got to stay in portland for a couple weeks for the run of the show and I got to, I got justice. I got to play my own voice as a grown-up woman from the light booth, from the sound booth. Have you ever done any commentary tracks for the for the for for the release? Because uh, I, you know, you did the restoration, and is that going to be released on like Blu-ray or anything like that? You'd be able to. The restoration is, there's a lot of extras on that. There's uh, interviews with my dad and me and Diane Marie, who played my mom. And um, yeah, I mean, I, gosh, I don't know. I, I've just done a lot of different things. You know, like you said, sometimes I think I'm losing my memory or something, which probably I'm getting older. I'm just so glad I wrote my book when I did, when I had access to people, when the memories were uh, had so well preserved. And um, I have to say, my book is five stars on Amazon. So it's a pretty damn good book for something about a really bad movie. <laughs> oh, I I got to get it now. That's I got to. I, there's a couple things I got to order. I got to order the the painting, and I got to order the book. So, um, when when you look back at your life, do you go, okay, I'm Debbie. That's that is definitely me as a child. That is, uh, you know, stand proud of it and enjoy every minute of it. I do. I just feel so fortunate. You know, this crazy thing is uh given me so much joy and fun and opportunities and uh recently i've filmed in several other films uh and that are coming out one called under three moons 
and the other one is a haunting in Ravenswood. And I've seen just the people that I worked with were really great, really professional. And uh, it's exciting to see these films moving forward. It's just small roles, but I'm so honored to be invited. And then we are, uh, we filmed the pilot episode of what was called the Debbie Chronicles, but it's changed now to the Manos Chronicles. And we're hoping it'll be a series and I star in that. And uh, I'm actually heading back down to California, geez, in a week. Wow, uh, to do some uh, pickup scenes and, and some extra things. But we're looking for a distributor. And then I just got a connection the other day, a possibility. It just, it feels like everything is just going just the way it's supposed to. And, and the recent challenges and difficulties are just teaching me to just go with the flow just just go with it yeah just I, enjoy I, it I mean wow I never could have predicted any of this <laughs> the little girl in the desert uh, never saw the, <laughs> the 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 woman in the in the future that's going to be in movies and and a mom a teacher a artist uh a writer you you're doing it all and that is awesome that is it's it's great to see um i i do appreciate it um i won't i won't be taking up too much more of your time here uh i like i said this is uh manos is uh just something i love it's it's uh and i i just appreciate you doing this interview um even, you know, even if you gave me five minutes of your time would have been awesome, but you've given me an hour and that's amazing. And I, I want to thank you so much. Um, you know, like I said, um, I will put uh, links to your Etsy store and stuff like that at the end of the episode. Um, you, I was going to ask you if you had anything you needed to plug coming up. You already got that. No, um, I, so. I think I'm caught up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, be on the lookout for the Manos Chronicles, um, you know, go find uh, uh, Manos Returns is on Amazon Prime, I believe, right now. Yeah, I, I think it is right now. And uh, uh, the Restoration, I believe, also is. And uh, let's see. Else? Oh, the Mads are back. You got to see that. That's December 14th and it's online. So if you look up Frank and Trace or the Mads are back, they're really promoting that. Um, I just, I'm just kind of stunned at the, the outpouring of love and support. And I'm pretty excited. I, this, this show alone could really kind of move things forward i have uh i'm working with an agent now for not just for podcast interviews but i'm working with somebody else for getting uh into more conventions and events 
So, and, and I'm inspired to get this book going, to get these books going, because uh, that's a lot of fun too. You know, I was, I did a book tour. I was doing some comic book stores and things like that. So yeah, looking I'm, for opportunities. I was just getting ready to ask you if you had any comics uh, uh, convention that you were going to be at and if you wanted to plug any of those but you just said that you're talking with a uh, uh, management to get that taken care of Do yeah you any so far um the only one that i have lined up right now is dead con in fort wayne indiana next october next october i may i will try to meet you there i live well let's get some uh, uh, We'll get some more lined up. I'm yeah. going to try to really try to get out there. And... Yeah, because Fort Wayne's almost exactly two hours from my house. Oh, that's not bad. No, so it's not horrible. Um, there's also, but then there's also um, the Day of the Dead and the, uh, the um, Horror Hounds and stuff. And those, right. are about, those are a little over an hour away to Cincinnati and then like a, about an hour and a half away going to Columbus. So yeah. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. there's one in Indianapolis, which is almost two hours. So there's, there's. Yeah, and those are all perfect for me. Well, my computer just told me the battery is dying, and yeah. the charger's in the other room. So. <laughs> oh, like I said, I appreciate. I don't want to get cut off. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you again. Just, I, I'm. Thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate it. Um. Like I said, I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of fanned out a little bit, and I apologize because it's, it's like I said, it's one of the ones I love. My kids love it, and it's kind of cool. It's really cool to be able to talk to you and ask you a bunch of questions that you've probably been asked a million times. Uh, so I, I do appreciate it, and thank you very much. Thank you. And I will say good night, and uh, hope to talk to you again. Yeah. Well. Well. Okay. Take care. Uh -huh. Good night. Night. Big thanks to Jackie and her stories from Manos Hands of Fate. Uh, big Manos nerd myself. If you didn't notice from the pay from the interviews, um, but we hope to talk to her again somewhere down the road. Uh, maybe when her next book comes out, uh, I will post information to her. Uh, you know, all of her stuff, her Etsy store, her, you know, IMDb and all that fun stuff. Uh, but as always, Group Therapy is brought to you by RU Game, the best comic book collectible and all-around geek shop in Pickle, Ohio, located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. Uh, you can also see me every Saturday on Saturday morning serials, bringing you the best of the 70s, 70s 80s, and 90s cartoons, PSAs, commercials, all that fun stuff. And little tidbits of information. So as always, I am Paul. And you guys have been great. And I will see you next time on Group Therapy TV podcast. Have a good day. Later. <laughs>